for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Happy Friday, everybody. Today is September 30th, 2022, and today's guest is Jared Van Hees from the Habitat Podcast. Welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 238, and uh, it's Friday. It is the day before opening day of deer season, and we've got a bonus episode for you. Today's episode is with Jared Van Hees from the Habitat Podcast, and Jared reached out to me a couple weeks ago and wanted to do a podcast and wanted to do two-in-one. So basically how this is going to go is the first... uh, section of this podcast is going to be on the Habitat podcast. So if you guys want to go check that out, I think he's launching that today as well. And then the second half is on here. Now, you don't necessarily need to listen to both to get both. They're kind of segregated to their own separate podcast, but I recommend listening to both. Um, Today's podcast when we get into it, like it's it's going to sound like it's in the middle of a conversation. It's not going to be like a big lead in or whatever. So it 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 does kind of just kind of get right into it. But it's a good one. We talk about thinking outside the box and the little things that can kill a a, a good a good buck. And I break down a couple scenarios and what I'm going to try this year in it um, that I think will be the difference makers in killing some bucks here in Michigan. And Jared also talks about you know a deer that he's killed last year a really good Michigan buck that he killed last year breaks that down and and all the habitat stuff that he did and and I I kind of drill him with some questions that um you know I think I think he was like opened his mind a little bit like I I and it's just me I wasn't trying to do that it was just me trying to like get more out of him and uh I think it was a really good conversation though so it was really good but uh and about three quarters of the way through this podcast you're going to hear my audio change. And the reason being is because rookie move, my card filled up and luckily we had a backup uh, audio. So it's going to change, but it's still a good audio. So just want to preempt with those real quick. Um, Like I said, tomorrow though, opening day of deer season. Can't wait to get in a tree um, with the new saddle and try to get on a deer. It kind of sucks that it's a Northeast wind, but I do have a couple spots for Northeast wind. And, uh, I am going to be launching a new series tomorrow night after the hunt. So I'll explain more once that goes live. I don't want to explain it just yet. I want it to be, um, something right off the rip when you guys can listen to it. So, I will say I'm just going to be launching a podcast tomorrow night, Saturday night, uh, opening night. So 
don't forget about that. It might be late because just because I've been getting in from, you know, hunting and stuff like that and uh, getting it launched and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be cool. I don't want to, I don't want to let the cat too far out of the bag, but uh, yeah. So anyway, today uh, I want to get into some partners real quick. Helix Broadheads. Uh, if you guys want to get some broadheads, get those things coming. Uh, check them out at helixbroadheads.com. Use Fall HX10 to save some money. Latitude Outdoors. Go to latitudeoutdoors.com. Check out all their saddles, uh, their platforms, everything. The, the method too is awesome. It is my go-to. I do have a classic to a single panel. It's just as comfortable. I no, I shouldn't say that. It's not. It's not just as comfortable. The method two, in my opinion, is a lot more comfortable. The but that doesn't mean the classic two is not comfortable. The classic two is very comfortable. It's just a different saddle. You know, it's just a different fit. So go check them out. Exodus Trail Cams, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Go pick up a render so you can get those real time pictures and videos. Vector arrows use code fall 10 at vectorcustomshop.com to save you some money. Last but certainly not least, Garmin bow sights and wearables. If you guys are looking for a new watch or a bow sight, or even if you're into crossbows, they make crossbow sights as well. So go check them out at garmin.com. I want to keep this as short as I can and as sweet as I can. Lastly, I do want to say um, thank you everybody for all the downloads and all the listens. I mean, the numbers are ridiculous right now. I thank you so much. If you could, please go to iTunes, and uh, if you haven't written a review or left a rating, do that. Five-star rating would be great. Thank you guys so much, and uh, I guess we're going to get over this interview. Like I said, it's we're going to pick up right in the conversation with Jared Van Hees. How are you changing your system up, though? And I guess first, let's talk about like how was your system before, and what are you changing? That's a good question. I've always been the type from the day one I bought my property, which is five years ago. I didn't even go and hunt that property until the 26th of October, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was awesome. I passed a good eight point that night. I had deer everywhere. It was a cold front. It paid off to stay out. It did. Um, and so I did that, you know, and I, sh- I shot a buck my second night. I, sh- I shot a buck on the 27th, I think, 10 point. And then I, the next couple of years, I started doing the same thing. I'd wait till late October till I got what, got the intel, which I still wait for intel. And then I'd go in. Well, the first two weeks in November, which should be the best ever, were hit or miss. Like, and I, didn't, I wasn't noticing this at the time. I was like, hey, this is a good time. Let's go. This is the time be in the stand now and what i started to realize and i had a couple hunts that were great but i started to realize that everybody else is doing the same thing at that time and in michigan that matters in other states it might not matter as much we take that into consideration when we talk to our clients and whatnot but it's like in michigan i'm switching this year and i did last year and it was it worked last year to Maybe some of the first part of November, but this year I'll be out of state. I'm going to try to get it all done in October. And that's what I'm switching to because I'm going to try to hit them before they know what's coming, before everybody else is in the woods as much and and try to play off that mid-October to late-October time frame versus staying out and putting all my cards in the November basket. does your property lay out well enough for like that first week in October? No, not yet because I'm probably a mile from any of the egg. And at least in the past, I have not had, and I have cameras going, so I, I have a decent idea on what's in there. I haven't had anything I want to kill daylighting in the first week of October at all. Uh, in the past five years. Okay, let, let me dive a little deeper here then. So you might be far from ag, but um, do you have any betting on you? I do. So w- have you ever thought about, you know, going in in the evening and getting tight to betting where even though you're a mile from ag, 
you get those, I mean, get within just earshot or sight shot, 60, 70 yards of betting, post up, give it a, a shot or two, and then maybe back out then. I might try that. I should I should consider that more um, because I'm right on a good swamp on the edge of it where my property butts up to. I know they bet out there, and my thoughts always been they bet closer to the ag before it starts getting mid October. Then everybody else is starting to push them back in. Corn's cut, beans cut, etc. But it wouldn't hurt to take that advice and go pop up back there because cameras don't tell the whole story. No. And that's that's where and the reason why I asked that question is because I feel like everybody and me included get into this A plus B equals you have to do it this way. So it's like yes, you know I hear it all the time too. Yeah, they're betting, and I even say it sometimes. They're betting really close to egg, but not every deer is doing that, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So like early on, you know I'm like I can tell you this piece of public that I've been really diving in hard on. I found some beds in September or not September. I'm sorry. In the spring that October 1st, if the wind is right, I'm diving in and I'm getting as close. I'm trying to get within 50 yards of this bed and I'm going for broke on this deer night. Number one, like I'm going in to kill him. And the thing is there is like, I don't know, but down by you guys, but like acorns are ridiculous this year. And apples are ridiculous this year up here so it's like you know a bumper crop of you know when the acorns are falling like i might be might be pooched but if this deer's in this bed i'm gonna kill him like that's where i'm at with it and i'm not gonna hunt him in the morning because i just think it's just gonna be very difficult but in the evening i'm gonna get as tight as i can to that bed and really try to hone in on him but i guess what i'm saying is maybe going against a little bit of what we're always told and heard and just trying something different you might you might you might flip over a leaf where you're like oh damn i didn't know about this about my farm you know what i mean i'm just saying something like that you know honestly i love hearing that because the more i think i know you just you just made it clear like you might you might not there might be something better going on um I, i will i will try that that I'm hesitant because 15 acres, you screw that up. It's tough. Mm -hmm. So if it was a bigger farm, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But then again, another part of the story that part of the puzzle, I should say, I had it logged hard two years ago and that back eight acres is just getting nasty. And I did have one. We've been September 8th show up. I don't know if you can see this via. I just see a, oh, there he is. He got a broken beam. It's a good deer. Broken main beam, good deer. Look how fat he is. Yeah. That's the earliest I've had a, a three-year-old or so show up. It's September 8th. Is that on a scrape? It is on a scrape. Yeah. I'm, I'm huge into mock scrapes. More yeah, so am I. Huge, huge. Yeah. And that deer, he's not real wide, but he's a nice deer, and he's fat. I, I just care about mature. Like, I want to shoot big 200-pound deer. Mm-hmm. I know I shot a buck last year that died right near his bed, like five feet. He laid in it and then he died once he got up. Um, if that bed's taken over again, or this buck moved in, or something is, you know, over time with the habitat work and the logging created a different situation where, okay, don't wait till November now. You've created something different. That's another piece of the puzzle that I don't I don't know enough yet to. So maybe going in early, like you mentioned, could be. So, and the reason why I say that too is because um, how will you ever know? Um, yeah. And it, one camera I, on eight acres, you're not you're not gonna know. Right. So, and my thing is too a couple things here. A light bulb moment for me was on one of my pieces on my family farm. Um, threw a camera up literally one year. It was like 2017 or 18 or whatever like that. Kind of forgot about it. Um, and then I'm like, shit, at the end of the year, I was like, I need to go find that camera. And I went and found it, pulled it. I had like 12 bucks daylight from October 10th through October 25th, um, the quote unquote lull. And there was probably five or six, like what we clarify, shooter bucks using this transition line. The next year, 
we hung a stand and my buddy went in there first night and missed a buck like right in the October lull. And I'm like, okay, there's something to this here. Um, so that was like a light bulb moment. And that really started changing my thinking. The other thing is, um, go in there. If, if, if the, you know, the wind and the weather and everything like that presents itself, go in there maybe one or two nights, first week of October. And if it doesn't pan out back out, you know, and then you can still implement your, I, I, I was always the person that was like, if I blow a deer, he's going to be in the next County. Honestly, I don't think that's as true as what we really, I don't think it's as harsh as what we really think it is. If you blow him out, maybe you figure something out. You blow him out, go over there, check out his bed. You know what I mean? And, and really exactly. So, but maybe you kill him, or if you don't, you may have learned something there, and then you hold off until latter part of October. I guess that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, and I, I like that because – so last year is a little bit different. I had intel like three years in a row of October lull being box daylighting. So last year I went in there on the 17th and killed a four-year-old deer, 200 pounds dressed, on like the 17th. So I know that mid-October is better now for that property or whatever. So going, you could go the first word right off the bat, try it once, maybe twice, get out. It sits for two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's still pretty good. What? Tell me this. Last year when you shot that deer on the seventeenth, what? Uh, let's get into that hunt a little bit. What? What was the scenario there? I haven't heard that story. So like, what? How'd that play out? Sure. Um, so. Like I mentioned, I've always been waiting, just watching, watching, watching for the time to strike. I don't have a lot of time, you know, like you, so I'm I'm very careful on when I go in. And then I'm we always do a camping trip with the family every year for Halloween, you know. Kids all get dressed up, we go trick-or-treating at the, at the whatever campground we end up at that year. And the last two years before that, I'm watching my cell camera go, Jared, you should be here. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, ah, oh, well, my kids are important to me. So I whatever, we all get that. And so this, so this past year, I'm like, Katie, let's move the Halloween weekend to the first weekend of October, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt that midweekend. I said this in like January. I'm like, just doing that. So I'm waiting, and I didn't and I didn't have um, any daylight activity, but I had this couple good bucks showing up at in the dark on this mock scrape, and I'm like, I want to be there when they do daylight. I don't want to get the daylight picture and wait for the next day and go. I want right. to be there when they daylight. Yep. Um, it's kind of a chance, but we had a good cold front coming in. It was rainy um, the night before. So there's back to your rain thing you mentioned. And I went in. It was Saturday night last year, which I think was the 15th or 16th. I'll, I'll, I'll be close at least. And I hunted the stand. And I saw a bunch of deer, all kinds of bucks moving around, a bunch of does. Um, Tell me this was so the front was going to happen. Had it happened yet, or was this like the days leading up to it? This was day after, day after the front. Okay, it was still cold, but it wasn't the rainy, the rainy stuff. Because what I see, and the reason why I ask, because what I see is like the two days leading up to the front, and it just literally happened yesterday. Okay, and we're in September, but what I've seen in the past is like the two days leading up to it are dynamite, and then the day of the front, not good for me. And then kind of today, so I'm going all off camera based as of the recent. I've seen this in in season as well, but yesterday we had a really big rain front that came through and we got an inch and a half of rain just yesterday. The two days leading up to it, cell cams were going off like crazy. Bucks on them, does on them, daylight pictures. Yesterday got two pictures of deer all day. Today, this morning, yep, during the front. Today, this morning, it's wet all over. The sun's coming back out, and the deer are starting to trickle back through, and they're more on a on a better pattern. So I was just curious of like what you see in the in the trend there. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I used to hunt the nastiest days of the year. I would go out and I'd suffer through it, and I've, I've saw, seen some good deer doing that. But I've realized now that it's usually the next day or two that have been better. I haven't done the day up to, I haven't tried that. That's a great point. 
they're feeding before a front or whatever. That makes sense to me. I just usually wait till it's at least it's here. Mm-hmm. And that kind of played out with with this with this story. The front came through on a Friday night. It was rain, nasty, cold. I kind of wish I was out hunting to be honest with you. And uh, I hunted the Saturday night. Great movement. I heard a deer ripping a tree apart towards my other my other saddle setup. I have. I didn't shoot a deer that night. Um, then it was Sunday and the warm was coming back in. Did you go in the morning? Were you thinking about doing a morning hunt or no? I did, but I went to a different property and I, and I didn't go back in there. This, this place is too evening friendly to yep. have morning hunt before, that. but yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, better off not. And, um, at least, at least at middle October. So I go in there Sunday. I almost stayed home because it was like 75 degrees. And my dad's like, what are you doing? You said this was a weekend. Get out there. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I, <laughs> I went. And because uh, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to bank my time for when it's going to be good, not 75 yep. degrees. And uh, so, but I, I had the intel for three years. So I, I went out there. I got closer to where I heard that thrashing going on right in the edge of my swamp, uh, my lower, my lower land. And it was warm, sitting there enjoying the sun, just like, ah, oh, we'll see. It's 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 fun. I'm glad I'm here. And the deer start moving. Yeah, bucks sparring out in the food plot. Um I passed a young eight point came through. Um, they're right at dark. Right at dark, it's starting to drop. You know, my wind's pretty decent. It's kind of blowing out towards the food plot. It switched on me a little bit. Didn't have that north anymore that I had hoped for. It's going back to straight west. But right at dark, uh this deer came down the transition from the higher ground to the lower ground, scent checking every trail that came out of that low ground to the food plot. He was doing the perpendicular movement and he came right in and I was in my saddle and I'm facing the tree and I just climbed up there for the first time that day. I knew where I wanted to be, but I, I didn't have much trimmed because I was expecting to shoot him out in the lowland, not up to where kind of where my wind was going to be. So if you're facing the tree, he came in from like my one o'clock coming straight, straight down. So I had to, it's my weak side. So I had to, I couldn't spin around the tree and shoot him normal. I had to, you know, let my, my tether out, stand up, you know, turn around like you're in a tree stand and stand on your platform like that and shoot him down here. And I, I he came in, um, worked as one of my mock scrapes at 10 yards, gave me a quartering away shot, um, right there. So he, he ran out, he spun around, he ran out and, um, I could hear him kind of crashing around and I didn't know there was that bed out there that I mentioned earlier. I had no idea that there was a bed there yet. And, um, I got out there, let him lay overnight, went back in there the next morning and, and he was laying there. Um, man, he's about 130 inch nine point, um, dressed out at 199 pounds and, and just October whatever the 17th or i think it was the 18th i'm gonna it's gonna bug me if i don't figure it out now but so that that was just it showed me that moving in there's a 17th that moving in there and the first sign of good weather and good activity and not being pressured um did more for me than waiting for november and hoping i get a running deer running through you know i love that dude i love that uh that I always call it about the 18th or 19th to the 31st of October. Like here in farm country, man, it's fire. It is fire. It is like I see more big deer on their feet in daylight <laughs> in that time frame than ever before, you know? And um, you just got to hit it right, like you said. But that, so that deer was, he was paralleling all those trails, right? Like he was crossing each one trying to check a hot dough that may be coming to that food plot. How far was he from the food plot? Oh, probably about 75 yards. So could he smell the food plot as well? Uh, the wind was kind of coming out of the bedding area towards the food plot, a little bit of a crosswind. So he was about to hit my wind trail. So he had, he was coming with the wind kind of from his rear a little bit, I would say. If he's a deer, he's facing 12 o'clock noon. It was coming from his four and going towards his 10. And the food plot would have been off to his nine o'clock. 
Okay. So, so he's probably gonna go out there next for all I know. I was gonna say, like, why didn't yeah, why didn't he was he jayhawking into the food plot? Like why wasn't he why wasn't he out there yet? You know, that was my old thing. But like you said, you know, it's closing time, so he's staying in the cover until it gets dark and he's jay hooking and gonna get that wind right before he goes and bumps those deer on because typically, I mean, as we see, you know, hunting food plots can be like, for me, hunting food plots suck. I've never killed a deer on a food plot. Like, so it just goes to show you if they're not placed in the right spot or, you know, Lee and Tiffany do it all the time, but they're also hunting out in Iowa. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you're back in the cover on that transition line, which is you played it very well. And, um, right there, you just probably, turned over a leaf where you're like okay it's something a little different here like i'll bet you you go back in there if you get some some sort of the same weather or same front in that time you're gonna have a repeat customer probably and i, I hope you're right i really do and i think you said it right with the j-hook thing um the more i think about it because the night before i heard him thrash that tree and i did see a big dark body come out while i was waiting for you know i was more towards the food plot the first night and uh, he waited till it was dark. Yeah. And then, so to your point, he was coming down. He's probably making sure I wasn't in there, making sure nobody was in there. Mm-hmm. He would have kind of came up my access trail or near my access trail through the cover. He was about to get my wind. Yeah. He's about to get my wind. Did you know this deer? Yeah. I had trail cam pictures of him. Not from the year before. I don't have deer <clears throat> um, that stick around year to year. It's kind of a, it's kind of a bummer because I like following them and watching them grow and this right. and that, but I can't. I've tried. They're different yeah. deer. But I had three or four deer that were hanging around. This one, I probably had the most consistent, which wasn't even consistent, in the dark. That's all I had. So this deer was moving to this transition line here, and I, I got to feel like he was jay-hooking into that, into that food plot. Um, but he met you, obviously. So what what did you have the mock scrape for there then like can i explain that a little bit because what was your idea with the placement of where that scrape was i expected the deer to come from the bedding to my west work towards the food plot so you're thinking like a staging area like this is i yeah i had a little uh i try to have a mock scrape at every one of my stand locations or saddle locations if i can if I can do it, I don't care if that's 40 mock scrapes. I mean, that, that's probably too many, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like I try to have one at upwind at every location just to get the deer traveling and moving through the property, checking each one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I had that there. And, you know, once they take it over, I didn't have a camera on that one, so I didn't know. But once they take it over, they start making scrapes around it nearby. Then there's a scrape line. Mm-hmm. Um my thought was I was just downwind of this old logging trail. He's going to come out, walk right up to the food plot, maybe hit that scrape, maybe not. I was going to shoot him back here. And it didn't play out like that, but uh, <laughs> he still he still was checking and working these scrapes. So you having a little bit of intel on this deer from you know this year, I mean, probably not a ton, but like where did yeah so what did that deer tell you out of those two pictures that you had like did it tell you anything of like where he lived what kind of demeanor he had like what what he was all about anything no um they were all in the dark and he was big and fat i could see that and he was checking scrapes close this last one i got was probably five days before that cold front and it was getting close to shooting time, probably an hour after dark. So I'm thinking, okay, he's nearby. There's, there's, and he was with another buck that night. So I'm like, they're nearby. I know that. I think the more, I think that combined with the camera intel of, of a deer daylighting around mid October on that property for the last couple of years. And thirdly, the night before, hearing something thrashing down towards that direction, those three pieces. The first two pieces got me there that weekend. This, yeah. That last part where I heard him got me to move stance and, and kill him that night. So that for sure helped, but I would think too, and this is probably what you did, and I'm just like talking through it, but... Yeah, please do. 
you know, when you got that picture of the two bucks coming through, like obviously dark. So depending on where your, your camera location was to me, I was thinking as you're telling me is that they're not living on you. So I know I have to be in this transition when the does are starting to smell better and it's just going to matter of time type deal. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Yep. It wasn't like I had his bed and I was, you know, going after him and he was going to come down the trail. It was just that the time of the year is, is getting here. The does are, I have all the does coming through. Mm -hmm. The whole property is really a transition. Um, and, and he came off the neighbors. I think he was better than the neighbors. Do you ever get sucked to like, the food plots do you ever like think like man i need to be sitting on that food plot over there like do you ever have that little guy on your shoulder where you're like you just just inch a little bit farther over there like get on that green source that looks so beautiful and i've spent so much time doing do you ever get that so a little bit yeah and and if you came to my place and i walked you around you would see you would see there are some options where i watch that food plot from a distance. I have a, I have a blind where I take my kids out. If it's nasty, we sit in the blind. That's probably 70 yards, but you could, you could shoot out there with a, a gun. Um, I have that first night I sat, I have a trail in between two food plots. That is like a food plot trail, but it's through cover. That's where I was sitting, but I can see a lot of the plots, um, more observation. But my thought is if my boot tracks, go in that food plot my scent is in that plot i don't i don't do that i don't mess with that and i think mm -hmm. that the deer know that and they stay over there versus by where i park and where i walk up the very border of my property um it may be a little bit anal maybe a little bit crazy no way man i don't go out there at all i don't even i'm like going out there to get my arrow on my second book i it was my second one, so I didn't care at that point. But I, you thought about it though. You were like, "Ah, do I really need to go?" I mean, that's those are the steps that you have to take when you hunt a pressured state like this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's very delicate, and I agree one hundred percent with you because I've said the story before. Like, I wanted to make food plots because I watched Lee and Tiffany kill big deer over them, and I'm like, "That's what you need to do." And guess what? I never killed a deer over them. Now, and there was some things that I've did wrong looking back at how ignorant I was to the whole thing. Like, you know, I want to see it growing. So I drive out there. I look and see the growth, put a utilization cage in like, I. but really that's happening in September. Like what the hell am I doing? You know what I mean? I want to check the card. Okay. I'm going to go see what deer there. Like, what are you doing, man? You know? And it's like, and then you have that like rut sit where you sit there and you see deer chasing all over and it's like yeah it's working and it's like yeah but did they even stop and feed no you're just seeing deer because bucks are chasing them all over so it's like false information in some aspects you know what i mean that's just my experience <laughs> well it, no i totally agree and <clears throat> i've not i've not shot one that's standing there in the food plot you know chewing on a brassica or a piece, you know i'm not and, and the way I, I set up my property with all the habitat obsession I, I have, <coughs> I just try to bring them there with what with food, water, scrapes, cover. I just try to bring them there. And I, I hunt from, on this property specifically, the outside in. And when I'm going in, it's just to my tree stand, and I'm going straight back to the outside. Um, and I don't walk out there. I don't let my wind blow out there. I don't. Yeah, even if there's an off wind, I'll walk all the way around to my neighbor's property. He lets me come down through there and hunt the other side. I don't tramp across it. The deer, they know where I park because I'm sure they catch my ground scent at night after I leave and they probably walk around. And But it does not go 10 yards into the property on any of my stands. <clears throat> yeah. It's just very, like you said, it's very delicate. And, and so I have it created to where... I pinch them down in these little areas. The first stand where I shot my second buck, where that trail is through the cover, I come off one food plot, I go towards my tree stand, and I go right back to the other one, to the food plot. And those are both out far away. So that all that deer has to do is just take that path of least resistance. I'm sure he doesn't like going towards my stand that direction very much, but he only has to go a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And it's easy enough for him to just, okay, I'll, I'll walk that. And it gives me an opportunity at 26 yards. And then like where I shot the first buck, that's, that's a great transition from betting to feed that, uh, that was, that one was more naturally there that I've kind of enhanced over time. Mm-hmm. And there's one on the, on the far North end of the property where, um, it's just kind of pinches down. And, and I, that's where I focus on these pinches and you can create that by hinge cutting, you know, hinge cut some other stuff around, um, mode paths for least resistance, food, mock scrapes. And then, so I just try to pull them in one direction or another, maybe a little grunt call if you have to, that sort of thing. Um, and that's yeah. what you can do with the habitat manipulation. That's why it's so fun to me. It's like deer hunting all year round. You can literally, okay, I'm setting the mouse trap, right? Exactly. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com It is fun, though. Like, I I love in the winter getting a chainsaw and going and, like, just hinge cutting. Like, it's it's therapy in a way, as, as original that might sound. But um, I want to go back a little bit to some, <clears throat> some when you talked about where you enter, where, like, you park. And you probably park in the same spot, right, every time probably. So I do the same thing. And, and you and I kind of talked earlier about I did a podcast with Kevin Leach, one of the owners of Latitude. And he talked extensively on, like, entry. And he really opened my eyes to some things that I think I'm doing wrong on entry. And I refer to it on my family farm. So my family farm is 218 acres and it's a long, like 218. Okay. So from the main road, like we have a, our own deer camp, it's a cabin on it. We built it in 2002, but you have to drive through our wide open field um, probably close to a half mile back. And then when the timber starts, it's the cabin is like right in the middle. I mean, kind of right in the middle of the property. And it's a beautiful spot for a cabin. It is a terrible spot for hunting and access. Exactly. So every time all of us go hunting, it's just you just drive to the cabin, you get ready at the cabin, then you disperse from there. So I'm really starting to break this down after Kevin and I did this podcast. And I'm like, man, I think we're pooching ourselves even in the evening because some of the, the scouting that we've done in the spring, there's a ridge to our west of the cabin. It's like a big oak ridge. And we went up on that ridge and as you kind of crest the top, it gets really thick with autumn olives and stuff like that. And we found a buck bed. I mean, 100% prototypical buck bed. But when you sit in the bed and you look down the ridge, you see the cabin. Okay. So there's been a couple scenarios like that. So I've been talking to a buddy of mine that hunts with us there. And usually if people are going up there and hunting, we'll send it. We have a group chat a group text that we do. So it'd be like, Hey, is anybody hunting tonight? Want to know where you're hunting kind of thing. And, and a lot of times I can hunt where a lot of other guys can't because of my job. Like I can hunt during the weeks quite a bit and stuff like that. So a lot of times like there's really maybe not anybody hunting or they might be hunting a different part. So my thought was I'm going to park at the road and I'm going to either walk way back wherever I need to go and or ride a pedal bike half the way because I think all these deer hear the vehicle. When you get to the cabin, they hear the door shut. They hear, you know, 
your tubs opening exactly you know what i mean even though in your head you're thinking well shit the stand i'm going to is seven eight hundred yards away that doesn't mean the deer is at the stand right now the deer could be betting 300 yards from the cabin or 100 yards from the cabin and that might that deer might come by me tonight i think we're pooching the shit out of ourselves going to that cabin when we're going to hunt at night I think the little minute detail of like parking at the road, yeah, it makes my walk 600 more yards or a pedal bike ride, like it might make it a little tougher. But what Kevin says in that podcast, he's like, if it feels weird to me, it's right. And it's like, why? (laughs) What would feel weird to me is riding a pedal bike from the road back. You know what I mean? That's weird. And I think that's what it takes to kill a buck like that, you know what I mean? Or uh three and a half to older deer, really. So that's that's one thing I'm definitely gonna change this year. Aaron, I could not agree with you more. And when you said you you got down that buck's bed, I was about to be like, and he's watching the cabin. Like hundred percent. I knew you were gonna say that because that's that's how they survive. That that's why they're big, that's why they're smart, that's why they're alive. Mm-hmm. Um problem is you can't move your cabin. Mm-hmm. So to your point, you'd have to maybe be the the first one there for the weekend or whatever, park up by the road, get your main kill hunt in that you're going to get in and, and slide in on a bike. That way you don't look like a two legged predator. Maybe. Um, yeah. Like I do the same thing. I, I park, I barely pull off the road. Boom. And that's where I stop. And I do have some deer that bed up front. Um, I used to have a buck that would bed under one of my stands. I found his bed after a season in a stand. I never hunted. He could watch my access come right to that stand and he could just slip out. Um, yeah. And there's things you can do. You know, so I would, I hinge cut all around my parking area. So it's so thick that the deer cannot get through there. So they have no reason to, to be up at that part of the property because it's impassable. So there's some habitat things you can do um, on your place. You could have a forester come in you can take out a bunch of trees you could thicken that up so he could not see the cabin it's a lot of it's a big manipulation so we just we just actually got a shitload of it logged um yeah so but where he's at that's going to be like the next phase um that didn't get logged yet um so actually the person that owns our property so we lease it but it's my cousin um and he's he actually since he's passed away uh he got about of cancer and, and oh man i'm sorry to hear that yeah and it's it was terrible like too young to go i mean he was like in his 40s you know what i mean and but his dad started um the logging company and then he took it over once his dad passed and now his wife still runs the logging company but anyway um he owns the property so in phases he'll take timber out of this for the popple growth the reprop you know the popples all that stuff and uh so the year that covid happened what was it 19 or 20 one of those the spring he he caught a lot and then he got cancer and passed away so then this last year um they came in and did a couple more slashes and it's dude the regrowth right now is ridiculous i mean for the next 15 years it's gonna be stupid stupid um but where this deer's particular deer that I've been talking about is bedding, it's like it's still an oak ridge. And once the foliage is off, like you literally, I feel like when I got in the deer's bed, I felt like a sniper. I felt like I'm like, oh, these, like you're watching all these, you know, these guys driving down here. And I'm like, which one do I shoot? Through. Exactly. You know, and it's like this deer knows exactly what he's doing, you know, so just what and i guess what i'm getting at is like people listening to this is like you kind of got to think outside the box a little bit like what you think is like a convenient like oh i don't really want to walk that far well then don't bitch about not killing the deer because that might be the issue you're driving too far in or you're parking in the wrong spot like i've got a buddy that his mom drops him off to a stand on the road every year and the damn deer dude kills a 130 out of that stand just about every year and he's got it dialed you know but he it takes you know his mom drops him off 
and then comes and gets him after, or his wife or something like that. You know, it's just whoever's available, I should say. You know, but it's just those little details. It's like, you know, it's it's a little extra work. Well, a little extra work that that's what's going to kill that deer. So, you you said it, and they they know it's we're walking into their house. So, if you're doing the same thing every time, that's why I love Kevin's podcast. You do with them because I I recall that it's stuck in my brain. Do something different. Do something weird. Do something out of the norm because deer pet on us better than we pet on them, right? You've heard that. You said that. I'm sure, and it's like. It, and it's hard to get a buck to move his bed. So if you, if that buck and your property is there, it's going to be hard for him, for you to create better bedding for him to go to. If mm-hmm. he's already proven that bed is successful, he's lived, he's alive. Um, so that's why it's tough with creating bedding areas. And that that popple thicket, that aspen, might grow up and be a better bed eventually. Dude, and uh, this spring I was I was scouting the popple growth, and there is one lone oak tree that's probably it's a young tree. It's the only I mean, actually it wasn't an oak. I'm sorry, it was a beech tree because it still had leaves on it, and uh, it sticks out like a turd in a punch bowl. You know what I mean? It's like the only one this spring because the the popples didn't have any leaves on it this this beach did and it's like a little island like the tree looks like a little island i'm like i'm gonna go walk over there sure shit there's a big scrape underneath of it and there's a bed right on the other side and i'm like how and then you look around it's like there's not a tree to get in for hundreds of yards and it's like this dude this is the deer that is like you can't kill him right here by the bed obviously but like so then the gears start turning like okay where do where where's his entry where's his exit like where do you kill him from and honestly to kill that deer my dad and i we just set up a stand the other day for him and it's on the deer's exit but he literally has to walk so far around this deer to get in the stand and i'm like dad when you start your final ascent to this stand you have to be quiet you have to be detailed you have like that deer is betting within 90 yards of where his stand is but i'm like you're at the first cover he's gonna go to when he gets up and set it up for because our predominant winds are west or northwest to a north and i said what's going to kill this deer is a straight north wind because literally the wind's going to be blowing like this and he's going to be walking in just like this like a just off it's going to be hitting him right when it when the when the arrow's in his chest is when he's going to be like oh that's a human and yep. i'm like so what you got to do that and you know i think with him you know he grew up a bait hunter in michigan and that's how you know he's been All very successful yeah been very successful but he's killed you know, four or five bucks with a bow over 120 over bait, you know? Wow. So now it's like, now it's, he's, he's trying to like relearn a little bit. Like he's asking me a lot of questions and I'm like trying to, yesterday I was trying to break it down. Like, this is what this deer is going to do. This is where you have to expect him to come. And this is where you're going to kill him. And you know, it never happens that way, but that's what you're envisioning. And he's like, you, you can see it start to click. He's like, all right. You know, and that fire got like rebuilt. It's like, okay, he's getting excited now. So it was cool. And what What is that um, popple growth around that cut? How tall is that stuff now? How, like, how old is it? So it is, it was cut in, it was cut in 19. Okay. So it's so out there a little bit. It's, I mean, it's 10, 12 foot high. I mean, it grew really a lot. See him. Yep. Yep. But then, so it goes from the popple growth, it goes into a buffer of cedars because there's like a half cedar swamp that comes around a buffer of cedars. And then where he's sitting is an old popple grove. So it was cut probably 25 years ago. Nice. And he's like just in that transition where the cedars come into the popples and he's in a maple right there. And it's like there's like the popples for some reason didn't grow in this little bowl in the pot like it's really weird it's like this little opening but it's on the top it's the highest point of this whole thing and all the deer just come up on it and then they just kind of like leave and i'm like this is we put a mock scrape well there i found in the spring i found a scrape right there under a beech tree and i roughed it up and we went back first time i i went back to it was this last weekend and it was it was opened not like there was no leaves or nothing. So they're, they're taught, they're walking in it and they're hitting yeah. it. And I'm like, this is the, as good as any here. So yes. it's still a little early, right? But mm-hmm. you're, you, you found the main, 
social hub or whatever in that yeah. area. Yep. Do you do you throw a camera on it? You throw a cell cam on it? Anything like that to give you any sort of inclination of when you're going to strike or your dad's going to strike? I didn't throw any camera on there. Um, I don't have any cell cams, and I didn't take a camera with me. So I'm like, it's just one of those things that I think it could be hunted early um, a couple times, like feel it out, but then it's going to be like, and he doesn't hunt a lot. Like he's, you know, in his mid sixties and he's like, he still likes to hunt with a, the, with a compound. And um, he also, um, you know, still likes to hunt out of a tree stand. And yeah. so, and he only goes to one or two stands, but he only hunts like Sunday evenings. You know, if it's a good weather, like he's so busy with what he still does with work and everything. And he's like, I, he just does it just to get out and sure. he wants to kill a good buck, but he's not going to kill one unless he can put it on the wall, you know? So it's like, that's where he's at with it. Those are the best hunting partners to have, you know? Yeah, for so sure. Get the big ones let's i want to transition a little bit let's talk about you're changing up some gear this year your bow you got a new bow and you've made a pretty big tweak without using you're not using a peep site what this year what the heck's up with that yeah um i know it's kind of it's kind of insane um at least i'm finding it to be i i screwed up on a bear two years ago um and then my my deer last year at a lot of my action and it happens, I guess a lot is, is towards the very, you know, last waning moments of, of shooting light. And, um, if my eyes are getting worse, I'm getting older. I don't, I don't know. I have pretty good eyes, but I notice just sometimes in the low light, it's a little tougher to, to see, you know, I'm doing the old man move where I get my flashlight out of my cell phone <laughs> a lot now. Right. And I'm yeah. like, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not the young buck. I think I am sometimes. And, and then I was listening to a podcast or something. Um, Jared, the guy who likes to hunt with Tether a lot. Um, Schaefer. Schaefer, yes. Yep. And he, and he talked about not doing it. No peep site. And I was like, no peep site? What's that about? Why would you? I've shot a peep site for, well, 20 years now. Mm-hmm. So he said he's been getting very proficient at it. And a lot of his, lot of his um, opportunities on all his hunts he goes on are at the last waning moments. And I'm like, it's just ringing a bell with me hard. Um, like, I'm, I might try that. I might try that. You can get a kisser button. You can get other anchor points. You can be fine. Well, I wasn't going to try it. And then I ended up getting a new bow about two weeks ago, right before season. Really, really smart stuff. Um, and I had I had him not put a peep set on it. I had him put a kisser button on it and a nose button on it. And I thought with those two anchor points and my, I put my knuckle and my socket behind my ear. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good about that. Um, I should be, I should be all right. Well, I started shooting and I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble. <laughs> Where do I put my eye? Cause the string's in the way. Mm-hmm. So I got to come off the side of the string and I'm like, how is this going to work? So, and, and, you know, Bear with me. I'm only a couple of weeks into it here, but right off the bat, it felt extremely weird. And where my knuckle was going, I shoot a trigger release, a normal true ball trigger release, sweet spot or something. I don't remember what it was. The way I'm doing it, I can't get my kisser button, my nose and my anchor all working. It's not working. It's not. My face is not in the correct position. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. I'm putting it more in line with my face than kind of the put your nose up to it type type position so i ended up getting rid of the kisser button i haven't used kisser in a long time so i just have the nose button and my trigger release now i'm I'm making that work i'm looking just to the side of the string and um then my buddy pat brings over his thumb release so normally my hand is sitting with the top of the back of my hand to the sky that's how i shoot now the thumb release, you're flipping it on its side, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that gets half of my hand out of my way of my face. And I shot it a couple of times. It just felt really good. Now shooting it well. So now I'm to the point where I have the thumb release and I'm using the nose button and I'm putting, I'm using my same knuckle in the same socket, but I can kind of grab my jawbone between my first and second knuckle. And it seems to be going well. I've been shooting a lot. I'm, I'm 
slapping arrows at 20, 25. And normally I shoot 40, 50, and then I'll hunt up to 30. That's kind of my, my sweet spot or my, my confidence. Um, so I still have a lot of shooting to do some tweaking to do, but it's going well. Um, I don't envy you at all right now. <laughs> I know. I know. And, You're a little late in the game. <laughs> I know. And, and I, I do this to myself. So if, if I'm glutton for punishment, I guess. Um, <laughs> but it's go, it's going well. The new Matthews I'm shooting is, is very nice bow. Um, mm-hmm. The arrows are slapping in there. Um, I have some, I still have some work to do. I'm not done yet, but Jared put out a video on his YouTube about it. Um, and he's saying he's shooting up 60, 70 yards with it. So if I can't, if I can't get to where I'm confident, I have my old bow right there. You know, I can just grab that while I continue to work on my new one. Um, and, and that's kind of where I'm at, but without that peep site, my picture is wide open. Yeah. You know, I, I can gather all the light <laughs> I need. I can, um, I'm just going off feel that nose button is weird though. Mm-hmm. So the nose button, I've never used one. It's very sharp around the edges so it's your nose is very sensitive so you know when you're on it and um it just it's it makes sense in my brain i know i can do it like it if it it actually makes sense anchor here nose there that's two anchor points um that's all i had before Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna try it and if i have to not shoot deer at 35 yards this year maybe only up to 20 or 25 you know but I'm telling you, Aaron, the, I've been shooting the last couple of days and I'm feeling really good about it. That's good for you, man, because you will not talk me into not using a peep site. <laughs> if I can throw like, my kisser back on there, I will throw my kisser back on there. If I yeah. can do nose, kisser, anchor, and have three, I'll do it. Yeah. But um, it's very weird not looking through that string anymore. But I don't know how you're doing it. On the advantage, I don't have the twist in my peep. When you pull back sometimes and your string twists as it stretches and gets older or whatever. Um, I don't have that clouding out the picture. So when I shot that bear, I was down on the bears right below me. And um, I just, I thought I was hitting where I was hitting and it was a big black blob. So it was unlike a deer. I couldn't see very much definition. And I, I missed him a little bit left. I got into him, blew through him, but wasn't a fatal shot. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if this will be my my salvation. I don't know if this will solve the issue. But right now I'm feeling pretty good about it. We'll have to talk again later and see if it if I stick with it or, or not. I'm pretty stubborn. I'll probably stick with it. But if I don't get good reactions or good shots on my deer, I'm there's no way it'll stay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you'll work. Yeah. I mean, I know you you'll you'll work it out to where it's gonna work and and you'll be proficient with it. But like you said, you know, that's tough. That's a big change, you know, a big yeah. change for shooting. I've shot a peep and a kisser my whole life. You do like, both? I, I do both. Yeah. And um, the kisser about eight years ago, I changed. Like, I don't use like a kisser you'd find on the shelf. Like, I tie mine out of D loop material. Nice. Um, Smaller yeah. profile. Yeah. And it's just, it just, I put the knot where I tie it, like where it goes right. And it's way better. And, um, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I gotta have that. And, but I'm not a guy that shoots both eyes open and technically that's what you're supposed to do, I guess. Yes. I don't know, but I've never shot both eyes open. I can't shoot both eyes open. Um, it's just yes. so hard for me. And even when I like really, when I'm in the yard and I'm really thinking about it, my muscle memory just takes over and I'll just close my eye, not even thinking about it and it'll close. So no reason for me to change. Like I'm knock on wood. Hopefully nothing screws up this year, but everything's pretty dialed right now. So I know. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I know we're getting up on time here. Um, I do have one last question for you. I think we're getting up on time. I'm not going to lie to you. My card, I just looked over and it wasn't recording. So thank God you've got the recording. Because my my card filled up. So thank God Jared is recording this. We are podcast professionals. If anybody's asking, we've done this a couple of times. I've (laughs) done 200 and almost 40 episodes and I've never had that happen ever. I feel like a rookie right now. Anyway, last question. (laughs) What are your goals this year? Like, 
I know you're kind of a goal oriented guy. So like, what are some big goals for you that you really want to obtain? Yeah. Um, great question. I appreciate you asking. I, uh, I had a really good year last year on my, on my 15 acres, um, based on the habitat plan that, that, that I've been working on for five years. And, um, I'm still riding really high off that. I really am. I'm kind of, I'm not feeling very stressed about, about deer hunting coming up. I'm really just happy. And had I got three new hunters in the woods last year, uh, that I was with that all took their first deer. Um, got to hunt with my dad. We shot a bunch of ducks together. So I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm just going to have fun. But yeah, then again, both season gets here. I'm like you, it's like, where's that buck? Let's go. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to kill one in October on my 15. That would be a, a goal. I would be very happy if I can do that. That probably might be my number one goal. Um, I'm going to Illinois to my buddy's place for both season for the first time. We've gone hunted there a couple of years. It's great. Uh, we're going early November for a bow hunt. I'd like to get one there. I know there's some big deer there. Um, and then what we didn't cover, we talk about in my podcast, we got a, a family property now in Northern Michigan, way up North. Um, we're in the building the cabin right now. So I've been doing that all summer. I haven't had any time to go down there and get that ready for deer hunting. But if we can do something successful up there for deer camp on the 15th, if somebody gets a good buck or, or a, a doe, we just start off the deer camp up there on a good, we did, we did, we rented a place last year. We did an Airbnb and we hunted the property. Um, my buddy got a doe. Um, so we're, I just love deer camp. It's like my favorite thing mm-hmm. in the world, whether it's in Illinois with your buddies, whether it's bow camp that you guys are going to do coming up or whether it's uh, up in Northern Michigan. I just, I love that. So I say Michigan bow hunting would be number one, Illinois would be number two goal. And then three, if we can get something going up North, I haven't touched that property. I've done no habitat work on it. The loggers are coming in next year. I'm going to start really hard then. Um, and th- then, so I don't really have a ton of expectations for that yet, but uh, that would be cool. That's kind of a number three. That's cool, man. I, I, that I love those goals right there because I just love that you're setting your sights kind of high. You know what yeah. I mean? And I like the lofty goals like this year, my number one goal is to try to kill a buck on public, never hunted it before. So for me, that's a lofty goal. So like, yeah, we didn't even get to talk about that yet. That's, that's a huge goal. Yeah. That's, public land deer. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. I'm going to, I'm ready. I know there's deer there. So um, it's just making it happen now. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to say too much about it. No, no, it's all right. Yeah. And this this will launch before season. So yeah, don't say much about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other goals at all? Or is that, I like the goose though. I like the number one. Um, that would, that's my goal, but also, uh, I mean, just killing a buck here in Michigan. Um, I just, I want to be more proficient in my home state and I look back at it and like, when I look back at my seasons from 2008, you know, I'm killing some good bucks. Um, and it's about every other year that I'm doing it. And I just want to be proficient. I want to get to the point where it's like rinse and repeat. Like I know these areas, I know how they're going to perform. I just need to, to get in there and get it done kind of thing. Um, if I do have a goal, I want to have more encounters. Um, I don't have a ton of encounters with bucks that are like 115. Like the bucks that come in that you're like, ah, you know, yeah. should I pass them? Like 100 to 110, 115 inches. Like I don't have a ton. Of, like it's either, you know, the 60 to 90 inch deer where it's like, yeah, don't even get the ball off the rack. Yep. Or it's a shooter. Like I don't have <laughs> any of those like tweeners. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I don't know why. I just want to see like more encounters with those deer. Um, so I'm excited about that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would echo those goals. Those are great goals. I mean, if you get it done on public in Michigan, I know you're not going to shoot a dink, so it's going to, I be might a shoot one. a dink. I'm not going to lie. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> if you, at, at no. that deer camp, at that deer camp, I would. Well, you know, and I'm trying to hold myself to a little bit of a standard. So like, I'm, I'm telling myself it's gotta be like a hundred inch deer. Like okay. so I'm telling myself, but, but for public, that's a good deer. It's and where we're going way up north is like I know there's good deer there, but I kind of want to get that monkey off my back. Like I don't want to shoot a deer just to shoot a deer. Like I'm not gonna walk up on a four point and be like, ah, oh, I shoot that. 
Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm going to be super stoked about it. Right. But like, it's all about climbing that, those rungs, the ladder, like, you know, the private land thing, it happened the same way when I, you know, my first deer I ever shot was a six point. Then I shot a five point. Then I shot a little eight pointer and then it right. was a bigger eight pointer, you know? And it's just like, even though I'm like, you know, my, my hunting career, whatever you want to call it is advanced. It's like, I still want to like, I, you can't forget your roots and you want to, well, yeah. And I'm, I'm here. Yeah. And I'm not just going to go out and just start blowing up basket rag deer either, but I, <laughs> I want to get that monkey off my back and, and then really set the goal even higher and let's, let's, let's build off that kind of thing, you know? So that's where it's at. Well, I wish you luck, buddy. Good luck. You this too, man. Season. Keep in touch. And um, yeah, appreciate this. This will be a fun podcast series for the listeners. So yeah, for sure. Thank you very much. And good luck to you guys as well. Thanks, Aaron. And there you have it. Another awesome episode. Jared, thank you very much, man, for uh, coming on here and doing that. Don't forget the first half of this will be on his podcast. So go check out the Habitat podcast and listen to that. So thank you guys very much. Good luck tomorrow. Good luck the rest of the season. Don't forget tomorrow night I'm launching a new series. Um, If you're listening to this on Friday, September 30th, it'd be tomorrow night. But if you're listening to it on Saturday, it's already, you know, launched or has been launched. So, um, it'll be cool and it'll be named different than it's it's still going to be under the fall podcast uh balloon and under you know this rss feed so when you come here to the fall podcast it'll just be named different in the title so you'll know the difference between them so yeah check that out good luck again to everybody shoot straight be safe wear your safety harnesses if you're in a saddle be safe wear your lineman's rope everything Make sure you guys have everything well thought out. You always want to come home to your family. Don't be an idiot. So thank you guys very much. And we'll be right here next time on the Fall Podcast. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.